Welcome back to Jokerman Podcast. The, the podcast, a, a podcast, we have to say a now. That's right, yeah. We're back in the uh, the lowly uh, realm of the other, the hoi polloi of other lowly. Bob Dylan podcasts. <laughs> we have to uh, walk down from the mountain of um, exclusivity of the only John Cale podcast and, <laughs> um, right. and and put on our waders, put on our boots and shoes, actually. There you go. And, uh, to dwell among the... The uh, the working men. The working men. Sing a little blues. Podcast a little blues. Well, the working men and women of Bob Dylan podcasting. That's right. Um, I'm Ian. Evan here. There he is. There he is, folks. The the hit character you all know and love, Evan, from Jokerman Podcast. It's true. What, I'm half of, the, half of the action here. Uh, one yes, the, we are one of the hit characters. We are a podcast, but we are the John Cale podcast. But we are a just a podcast about Bob Dylan. I would love to hear like a worse John Cale podcast and hear what that's like. Not to say ours is any great uh, shakes, I, but I like. would not love to hear one. <laughs> I would not like to hear one worse than ours. <laughs> that would be. Uh, bad. I'm not Someone saying ours is bad, but I, I think that you know any worse, it might be. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we've got we've got love for many of our fellow Bob Dylan podcasters, but there have been some uh, programs, some other Bob Dylan uh, uh, shows that have you know come and gone that are focused on uh, you know uh, sort of a negative energy. Speaking um, of negative energy, I think I've got a. I, I want to do a little beef corner. Uh, moment. Oh, but everyone's favorite moment when Evan likes to complain about people from the internet. <laughs> well, this is sort of from the internet. They'd like to cons- they'd like to be something more than just something from the internet. Mm. I'm it's- guessing. Hang on, let me guess. Um, Cream magazine. So this this <laughs> this magazine in in air quotes is a uh, really just a kind of like a. Like a zombie version of us, you know? They're like mm. a kind of soulless shell of what Jokerman podcast represents. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just wander around, shamble around. And you can you can sort of tell when you look at them for, for more than a second that their their skin isn't really connected to their face. Like they it's a it's a clever mask and inside is just kind of a algorithmic um uh, moron who 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 doesn't even like rock songs, and you're and and we're remarking on this august institution because I'm teeing you up here because what, oh uh, well they they had that piece that was like um, that was about Van Morrison it was like <laughs> I hate Van Morrison like what if Van Morrison dropped dead forty years ago. Like he maybe he should have dropped dead forty years ago, and like I Van Morrison made my favorite music, and I hate him for it. It's like I get what they're going for, but the whole bit is like, um, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's not funny, b it's f- wrong. It's so wrong. Like those people mm. don't even they publish something that was just like writing off forty years of the great man's career, you know. Of, I should say, of 40 years of a great career of a man. <laughs> How could they Shameful. write off? So it's, I'm just saying it's, it's a Shonda that they, you know, they wrote, wrote off inarticulate speech of the heart. They write off uh, 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 Too Long Irish in Exile. Heartbeat. 
right uh, the I'm one trying to think there's yeah wait. <laughs> the one where he's got the you, um, you pick the one the, that like i mean too long in exile is fine you know it's not even bad but the one where he's got the uh the puppet on the cover from like uh you know about seven eight years ago puppet oh yeah yeah um, the, the, <laughs> we've talked about this is, one is on that, the show before yeah yeah the prophet speaks or something yeah exactly like. <laughs> yeah anyway um uh, you know it's just like uh Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. Um, well, we're, we're not here to talk about Van uh, today. We're going to talk about Van plenty more in the future. Uh, we've, we're, we're very excited for, uh, what's it called? You know, skiffle, skiffle train down the line or something like that. Skiffling <laughs> down the line. It's called, it's called moving on skiffle. <laughs> moving on skiffle. <laughs> Which I, lo- I love that because it's just like, you know, it kind of sounds like one of those Bob Dylan bootleg titles where it's right. like, uh, you know, just like like Europe modern times, <laughs> <laughs> or, or which you know. Speaking of which, Europe modern times, mm. you know that was a real one, and um, of course that was a bootleg that was about um, the the time when Bob Dylan was playing modern live times music versions of yep, and. Um, what, what do we have here? But Wouldn't you know it? The, here we are again. The thing itself. Those times, there they are. The times, they are a modern. I think that's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're revisiting uh, modern times. It's 2006, which I feel like, uh, I don't know, I feel like has been just sort of like we got really kind of amped up on in our little world for a brief period of time and then just sort of set it aside and... It's kind of been just languishing there in the corner for a year and a half at this point. It's true. Um, it's an easy record to kind of let gather dust if you're not careful. Mm. I think that that's kind of um, how I feel about it. It's almost like like this record. You've got you've got modern times, and then you've got together through life as like the expansion pack to modern times. And both <laughs> of these are kind of like, I mean, they're they're. Really, only for the people who already know, you right? Know? Right. Yeah, as and they're Bob, really good, but like, they're they're not as um, flashy. Yeah, they're somewhere in between, you know, the uh, the exciting, thrilling comeback records, "Time Out of Mind," "Love and Theft," and obviously the late, late career, you know, uh, Renaissance uh, once again with the Sinatra stuff and, and Rough and Rowdy. They're just sort of they're there. In the you know in the in the latter day, obviously you know uh, certainly concentrated towards the end period, but they're not at this point. Modern Times is fifteen years old, sixteen years old, right? Uh, so it's like mm-hmm. this is <laughs> this is an old record at this point, even though it is a uh, a very 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 late period Bob album. It's just uh, you know kind of I think it it was uh, warmly received upon upon its time, but Bob so quickly went in so many different directions after this uh, that, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of just, it's been sitting there by the wayside. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, doing a little research uh, going into this. Interestingly, Bob remarked at the time, I think given in an interview, someone had said like, oh, this is a great conclusion to the trilogy. You know, by everyone's always thinking about Bob records and trilogies. This is a great conclusion to the trilogy of Time Out of Mind, Love and Theft, Modern Times is the, you know, the end of that trilogy. And Bob, Bob, to his credit, said... If anything, this is the middle part of a trilogy that begins with love and theft, which means that that hey. trilogy concludes with <laughs> Fall, with uh, with 
with sh- shadows in the night? No, with together through Jokerman oh, favorite oh, together, together through, through life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Which with together I, through life. I don't know that I really buy, but uh, you know, I think uh, I, buy. I don't know why. I just for, I I my <laughs> brain passed over that and thinking like surely he you did. skipped. I <laughs> I did the thing. I'm guilty of the thing, but um, you know because of all of you who. It's a. Uh, it's wrong of me to have just put that. Uh, put that out there. Of course, yeah. together through life. Together through life. A, it's a real album. It's <laughs> the realest album. It's the conclusion of the thrilling first decade of the 21st century Bob Dylan trilogy, the Ots trilogy uh, of Love and Theft, Modern Times, and Together Through Life. Which, I, honestly, I, uh, I don't know that I completely see it, but I see it as much as. T- Time Out of Mind and Love and Theft in Modern Times being a trilogy. I think the Together Through Life trilogy makes just as much sense, if not more. It's it's technically, <laughs> if you call it that, then it's the middle one. You there know? you go. If you say that uh, Together Through Life is the last of the three, then there it is. Well, so Bob what was himself the, wait, said it. The first one being... Love and Theft. Love and Theft. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of Together Through Life being the last of a trilogy, <laughs> where it's like the... <laughs> That's that's great. The Oz like, um, trilogy. Yeah, it's like one of, one of those trilogies where you know that everybody kind of slags off the last one mm-hmm. or or something, but it, but the real heads know that it's good. It's just as good, if not better. I don't know what an analog for that is. I I guess as a kid, I really you know as a child when I watched Star Wars movies because you know I was like you know I was a child. Mm-hmm. Those are made for the, the children, right? And um. At the appropriate time to watch those, I thought that um, that uh, the third one that I'd seen, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, Return of the Jedi. Never that was seen my favorite. You've never seen Return of the Jedi? I don't, I, I'm, I'm an adult. See, I've seen them all. Um, <laughs> I was born, I was sort of Benjamin Button kind of, I was born as, an, as a fully functioning adult, so I just, you know. Star Wars. Never. Everybody's gonna want to kill us. Right now. <laughs> Everybody's just gonna want to wring my neck, and and you're c- going down with me. I'm, They'll I'm... shoot you in the head with a revolver while they're wringing my neck. But um, what uh, what I'm saying is that uh, I always thought that one was cool because okay. it it had it has some goofy stuff in it, but it's also got some of the dark stuff. He has a black suit, and that's um, right. Together through life is uh, Ewoks. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it, it it has a menacing quality, but it also is like the most like kind of lighthearted in some ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got so, high highs and low lows. You know, the the there's there's kind of a it's idiosyncratic. Just but we're like not even here life. to talk about together through life. We're talking about modern times, which is like the uh, I guess like the Empire Strikes Back, which is like the the one everybody like. I don't know. I find that movie fucking tedious and boring. Um, and not to say this record is, but it does have a bit of uh, a bit of a, of a of a slow burn quality. Like a you know, it kind of it's patient. It takes its time. Right. It's it's not um, as bombastic. It's not. There's not really set piece moments. There's long songs on this record um, and songs that kind of, you know, just seem maybe even a little. There's a couple of things that feel maybe a little redundant vibe wise. But mm-hmm. like, I like all of that about this record pretty much. Um, I don't know. Why I've been talking about Star Wars so much. Is this a Patreon episode? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
It's all right, though. Uh, we can we can uh, put the kibosh on the uh, the Star Wars conversation. I I, I agree with you. Uh, modern times, you know, it, it's not. <clears throat> if we think of this in this you know sort of trilogy uh, kind of thing, or certainly comparing it to Love and Theft, it's not a record that jumps out of the stereo at you the way that Love and Theft does with Tweedle, Mississippi, uh, Honest with Me, uh, fucking Summer Days. High water. There's just so many moments from that record that are just like, like, so thrilling right off the bat. And glad you just saved some time not saying Tweedly D and Tweedly Dumb. Tweedle. We gotta just we're we're on the clock here, man. We gotta we gotta roll it. Um, but uh, uh, so you don't really get that on Modern Times musically, right? But it is. I think it's a record that rewards kind of um, you know sitting with it, and that's why I think uh, revisiting it at this moment in time is makes sense, and especially honestly in light of our conversation with Greel. Um, which people have heard by now, uh, even though it hasn't posted when we, as of this recording, uh, who focuses so intently on Ain't Talkin' um, in, uh, in folk music, uh, his, his latest book about Bob. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a really kind of uh, uh, significant song, and I think is significant of really everything that Bob was doing at the time. I pulled a quote here from Grail uh, to sort of just kick us off here. And then maybe we can get into the songs. Uh, oh, you don't want to wait. All right, fine. You can go ahead, but I, that's the last song. So. It is the last song, but I think it it, it 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 makes sense for the way that Bob is operating across this entire sure. uh, record. Uh, let's, so hear, Grill, let's hear it. Grill says, Ain't talking, drops trapdoors. In a miasma where signifiers register less as words than as images. In a movie theater where everything is slightly out of focus, just enough to make you wonder if it's your eyes or the projection that's off. Any sound can make you wonder, did I hear that? Where are we? What time is it? With the whole song taking place out of doors, the best lines in the tune seem to come out of nowhere. I'm, uh, I'm eating hog-eyed grease in a hog-eyed town. Hog-eyed grease. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful line. <laughs> walking with a toothache in my heel. The power of one line, which might be simply in oddness, the way it throws you off. Yes, what time is it? What century are we in? The whole wide world, which people say is round, and the cliche of another walking through the cities of the plague... It doesn't matter. Each blow lands with equal weight, and the song is open. You could shuffle the verses, and if you kept the first and the last, you wouldn't hear the story any differently. Yep, yep. He's so right, actually. And I think that he's even more right uh, just or when you read the book, um, Bob Dylan's uh, Philosophy of Modern Song, I think that what, what Grail is saying there rings even truer um you know it's something that he's spent plenty of time on enough to understand but i think uh listening to this record is is like it, you kind of notice the way that bob dylan does like mad libs or like just has mm -hmm. like puzzle pieces of his own songs which is by some accounts exactly what happens but i mean it's where he just has these phrases and ideas and throws them in a bag. And like, you could think of that as being sort of like, if you're being really uncharitable, like lazy songwriting or something. Right. But I, I think that's that, uh, that point of view sucks. Cause really what is great about it and what you get on this record is exactly what he was saying there. Like you can, you can jumble up any of those things and it, it becomes this kind of, once you get hip to that and you understand that's kind of what's happening, 
it's this like delightful sort of potpourri. It's just this like mix, this grab bag of of signifiers and phrases and references. And it feels like walking through an antique shop and it feels like uh, looking at a, or walking through a park or, or it has this kind of browsing, like just constantly finding little interesting things, quality. Um, and that's what I love so much about this period of Dylan's writing in particular. And I think you get a lot of that all over this record. Yes. Yeah. It's illustrative. That is the late period of Bob Dylan songwriting. I mean, if you, if you think about, uh, you know, going back to the beginning, uh, you know, the early, early stuff, um, you know, uh, something like Rolling Stone, you know, or Simple Twist of Fate or Tangled, you know, the, the big totems, right? Like those are stories. You know, there is a narrative that you can follow from beginning to end and one, ver and one verse towards the end needs to come at the end because it's fulfilling lines that are set out in earlier verses and stuff. And Greel is totally right uh, in the late period songs like Ain't Talkin' and really every song on this record are these kind of just Legos, like each verse or couplet is a Lego. You could just snap together arbitrarily and they all, you know, they, they could appear wherever, whenever and make just as much sense as they do the way that they're actually recorded. Um, and it's a really kind of striking hallmark of later day Bob Dylan songwriting. And I think Modern Times is maybe like the perfect kind of illustration of of what that feels like because really every every single song on this record is just like luxuriating in that style in and that, that method, yeah in that mode almost to a fault one might say like almost yeah I, on certain I, I songs would, i will bring up like where that could come up but uh well let's get into it for, before we do yeah 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 well uh, go ahead oh. look I what i've got by the way <laughs> slain whiskey <laughs> slain irish whiskey the only other whiskey that jokerman podcast will accept that's right if you're, if you're not drinking heaven's door you better be drinking slain you better whiskey. be drinking slain <laughs> it's fun I, I like the harmonica i want to do the harmonica more i I'm, this is uh, well, well we're <laughs> gonna have reason you know stay tuned yeah Thunder on the mountain, baby. Thunder on the mountain. Thunder on the mountain and as far as the moon. The rook is in the alley and the sun will be here soon. Today's the day you're gonna grab my trombone blue. Well, it's hot stuff here and it's everywhere I go. What a, what a way to start. I mean... It's such a grand entrance. I, I love the that intro. Yeah, it's uh, the production is so clear and and um, it it really is just kind of if this is how an album should sound. If you just want a clear sounding record, then like this is as good as anything else mm -hmm. to my ear anyway. It sounds beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think that, uh, it, it right away is, is sort of fulfilling this promise that he's setting out with the title, which is really not a promise, but more so like a, you know, a wink and a nod and, and a bit of sleight of hand at misdirection calling this record modern times. Yeah. Nothing could sound less modern. Well, 
It depends on when you're saying modern times, doesn't it? Like the Charlie Chaplin movie, Modern Times, <laughs> is from the fucking 30s, you know? And uh, modern is a word that's actually old now. Uh, well, you know, my, yeah, refer- sure, modernism. When you reference, yeah, you reference anything modern, like modern art, you know, that's a term that was made because it suddenly became necessary to differentiate, you know, and it's long, long been with us now. So modern in in this, uh, and of course the cover kind of implies this too. It's a black and white photo of uh, a sort of spectral car or cab, cab yeah. in New York. Um, and it, it, it has a very, you know, noir uh, quality. I believe it's a photo from the forties, fifties or sixties. 47. Yeah. So interestingly, uh, also uh, was uh, a cover of a Luna single in like 1995 oh, really? or something. Same one. Same exact image. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send it Shout to you. It'll, it'll be up online. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the name modern here is cheeky and um this first song is uh i think really full of humor in that direction it's like it's it you know it's not a folky song at all it's just kind of, it's a it's a, a sort of bluesy rock rock and roll number yeah you almost of. want to think of modern to shuffle Yes, you you almost want to think of modern in quotes, like yeah, modern, modern yeah, exactly. not modern as in two thousand six, but modern as in like modernism, like literally like the nineteen like the heyday of modernism, nineteen twenties, thirties, you know, oh, early forties. Well, I, I don't know about the, uh, going that far, but like modern, like that's what this song. That's like when this song sounds like it's from musically with this bluesy kind of shuffle. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it sounds and like the concerns could... of the lyrics. I think. But, it's got it's got some anywhere from then to the fifties. It's all all around there. Um, it's pre it's pre Elvis. We we know that for certain because uh, it's a long song and it is it is soft. It's piano driven. Yeah. It's it's um you know there, there's uh, a real sense of like you know it just has it has the touch points of of a of a long gone kind of time and so having called it modern times and presented it as if he really is talking about modern like modern times 2006 kind of era is you know it's classic it's classic bob you know he's he's uh yeah, but he's pulling the wool over your eyes it's also modern it is modern cuz the way he's writing as we just talked about is like the the modern way for Well and that's what makes it so striking. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh you know going to raise me an army some tough sons of bitches I'll recruit, recruit my, army my army from, from the, the orphanages. I I've, I've been I've been to St. Herman's church I've said my religious vows I've sucked the milk out of a out thousand, of a thousand pounds. cows. I got the pork chop. She, she got, got the, the pie. pie. <laughs> she ain't no angel, and neither am I. That's just like a fucking brilliant it, run of lines. Finish the line. Uh, shame on your greed. Shame on your shame wicked on your schemes. wicked schemes. I'll Listen, say this: I don't, yeah, I don't, give, a I don't damn give a damn about, about your, dreams. your dreams. He's on fire. It's really similar. <laughs> He's on to, fire. And it, to stuff on like. Uh, Blonde on Blonde, or Bring It All Back Home, or Highway Sixty One type vibes, like some of those more like. Uh, those looser songs from around that sixties period, like yeah. it's it's not that far off. It's like it's a similar sense of it's, humor. This kind of like rapid fire of these uh, sort of one liner uh, images. He's 
it's close. It would be much closer to Blonde on Blonde than it would be to to bring it all back home and Highway Sixty. Oh yeah, definitely more like because yeah. every song on on Bring It All Back Home is either just like a you know fucking hot rod rock and roll punk rock song that lasts two and a half minutes, or the long ones with these you know clever turns of phrases are very heavy and serious. And this song is not that. Like he's having a good time here. I think something that we've come to realize about Dylan in his uh, you know lighter moments is. Um, that it's it's a good sign, you know. It means that he's like feeling confident, uh, able to do stuff that um, puts humor uh, into the front. Sometimes mm-hmm. um, it means that he's like uh, he's feeling good. Yeah, and when he's having when he's having fun and and he sounds light and and can kind of foreground the uh, humor. He's he's kind of at the high ebbs of his career. Versus well, not necessarily at the high ups of his career, but at the high ups of what, of his creative uh, work. Well, like, just think about Oh Mercy, feels- right? Which just was the last one we talked about. Like that's a very serious kind of record, and he's it clearly was a very tr- troubled production. Exactly, he clearly of- was trying to say like, "Hey, I still got it in me. I'm here." And and literally the one after that fucking red sky as soon as he's got some good reviews and feels like he's got a little bit of juice then then he can start having a good time obviously red sky not uh, as uh, warmly remembered as yes but uh, when we rediscovered or uh, revisited rather red sky i think that the kind of conclusion we came to was that it is you know first of all it's the first record of the Jack Frost uh, epoch. That's you right. Know, yeah. it, it's, it's a dry run for Love and by Jack Frost and uh, Bob Dylan's production alter ego, um, or his close producer. Aqu- so uh, they say. Yeah. Who knows who Jack Frost is? You know, he's never been seen in the same room with Bob Dylan. That's all we know. You know, I think Thunder on the Mountain just to you know wrap it and, and uh, push us along to the next one. Sat- musically sounds like a song that he would have written about in the philosophy of modern song. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah. on top of that, it's six minutes long and it's got just line after line after line of killer Bob Dylan yeah. right on top. Of it. And that's what makes it modern, I think, is the, is the like actually modern, not quote unquote modern, is like the collision of this cl- very classical decades old sound with this just uh, completely idiosyncratic, synchronon, uh, uh viewpoint writing style of the great American artist. The next one continues that uh, mm. amplifies it, Go, and it's my favorite song in the record. Maybe now, such a great song, right now, still such a great song. There's another song that you know was like my favorite song for a long time, and um, Not, well, it's uh, you know it, it's it's we'll get there. Still, we'll get there. But yeah. I'll just say that "Spirit on the Water." I was listening to it today, and I was just like uh, uh, feeling great listening to it. It's a great song. I mean, it's a great. It's beautiful music. What what can you say? Spirit on the water, darkness on the face of the deep. I keep thinking about you, baby, and I can't hardly sleep. I'm traveling by land, traveling through the dawn of the day. It's it's so joyful and pleasant, and um, it, it it does that same thing as Thunder on the Mountain, which has so many like crackerjack lines, and and it's but it shows that he he can also do that mood um, a little softer. I think what he's doing here is really expanding upon uh, 
what you what he really broke the door down with on uh, love and theft, and it's really great actually to see him be able to just kind of relax into that. And Spirit on the Water, you know, seven, almost an eight-minute song. Thunder on the Mountain, six minutes, basically. Rolling go. and Tumbling, six minutes. There's, there's mostly a, these songs are longer long. songs. Long uh, songs. And um, Spirit on the Water is a song I love how long it is, because it's just like you can kind of hang out in it. Totally. Um, yeah, you typically think of an eight-minute song as like, you know, there's going to be some sort of like long-ass instrumental, like it's a jammy kind of song, and that's not what this song feels like at all. It just feels like it's just, yeah, you're just, you're with Bob, you're, you're standing right there next to him, and it, it, you know, for all I know, it could be three and a half minutes, if you told me that. Right, well, it's a vehicle for him to do these lines, which are like, it sounds and feels like he's getting a kick out of doing these lines that kind of sound like they could be in the songs that he loves, like older songs. Like he's kind of doing one and then being like, yeah, that sounds like it could be (laughs) on like a fucking uh, Jimmy Webb song or like that sounds. Yeah. Like that sounds like um, fucking uh, Johnny Ray or whatever. (laughs) Uh, I maintain that this song is about him having relations with a, uh, you know, what might have been known as a prostitute back in the day, what would currently be known as a you know, sex worker. Why? Uh, 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 what does it matter? What price I pay? They brag about your sugar, brag about it all over town. Put some sugar in my bowl. I feel like laying down. I'm pale as a ghost, holding a blossom on a stem. You ever seen a ghost? No, but you've heard of, heard of them. I hear your name ringing up and down the line. Call girl. Uh, I'm saying mm. it plain. These ties are strong enough to bind. I think he's just That's having a good a great, catch. He's having a great time. Call you know, girl. He's got his... down the line. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got his favorite... Uh, his favorite... Uh, well, no, I'm not going to say favorite whore. That's disrespectful <laughs> of me to say. <laughs> but um, you know what I mean. Unless you say it with, uh, you know, it's... Uh, in the good way. Uh, yeah, I think it's a po- it's a good that is a good thing to be. Um, if you uh, yeah no it's a, <laughs> what it is is I think you're what I think you're right uh, at least it seems that way. But it, what it is is it's a song that uh, just feels so just feels so right. Well, that's what I love know? about this song, like that interpretation of that song. That's and that's what makes me love this song is that it sounds like such just a beautiful, striking, like tender kind of love song. Uh, and then breezy exactly beautiful and that's right cover girl um and and (laughs) (laughs) well done uh and then if you imagine that style of song uh being written just about you know your favorite local uh 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 gal that you give a call to when you're uh feeling hot and bothered you know that's 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 beautiful that's beautiful that's bob yeah Uh, i mean this is something that i love about Dylan's music and about this period too. It's just like he's showing in in later age that you can have just kind of um you can be like, horny. Well, you can be just have not only just that, but like <laughs> that that you can have like a an increasingly playful and um and like carefree perspective that also feels or maybe not carefree but um expanded perspective nothing carefree uh, it, yeah, yeah yeah i i think it, carefree is the he, right word he see, yeah i mean well it's it's not carefree but it's like he's got this like 
ability to kind of just comment upon the little troubles and inconveniences from this place that's like a little bit removed and he's kind of smiling at every aspect of it. And he's listen, this is 2006. This is Bob Dylan approaching 70 years old. He's Bob Dylan by now. You think I'm over the hill. You think I'm past my prime. Let me see what you got. We can have a whopping good time. It's all, everything at this point, it's all gravy. You know, he's 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 still going to be Bob Dylan even if he drops dead tomorrow in 2006. So it's, I, <laughs> he's having a good time no matter what. I, it has a, that terrific line, uh, I can't go to paradise no more. I killed a man I back there. I killed a man back there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so good. One one could be uh, read a lot into that as like Dylan self mythologizing or something. But even if he is, it seems like he's doing it with uh, this sort of uh, a good humor that like uh, you know you'd be kind of uh, a fool to fixate too much on because it's just another great line and a series of of great lines. Yeah. on this song that feels like uh, just sort of sailing into the sunset. Honestly, a lot of this record, thinking about it now and thinking about this you know, trilogy concept that we were talking about, feels like a reaction to like Time Out of Mind, which was conceived of as like Bob's you know, late, late career masterpiece, him reckoning with mortality. It's a very right, serious right. and heavy record. He's going to die, and he's talking about you know, uh-huh. lost loves, and the, you know, the, it ain't dark yet, but it's getting there. And like, here he is a decade later, and he's just like... Snapping his fingers, writing songs about having sex with yeah. a call girl, and just like you know, he's grooving. He's Man, that, he's vibing. That, that harp solo at the end is oh. just beautiful. Nothing makes me smile like this song. Like I, it just—it's so life-affirming. And yeah, exactly what you said. It's like this is a record that doesn't even feel bothered. He's at this point, after Love and Theft, especially, he's like well past the idea. You know, that was him just kind of really showing like, no, I'm I am never left. Like, and I never was going to. This record is just—it's um, a really special point for that reason exactly that he's he's just like taking his sweet time he feels so loose and light yeah it's not even on his like to bring up the ideas of like oh he he has to make a big swan song he's just like he's just being he's just writing a song to a swan that's right (laughs) that's right uh he's on the swan boats there you go the real swan boat album uh and then we uh we go rolling and tumbling I rolled and I tumbled, I cried the whole night long. I rolled and I tumbled, I cried the whole night long. Woke up this morning, must have bet my money wrong. You know, this made me think of a song easy, that gets that maligned place. a lot. 
Mm. Which one? Think about like like the worst song you can think of, maybe. Uh, I mean, this makes me think of Summer Days, but that's not the worst song that I can think of. What it made me think more uh, charitably and clearly of is a little song called You Wanna Ramble. You wanna Oh, all right, sure. <laughs> because you look back and you're like, well, yeah, the production was like the way it is on that. But like, is it so different from this? Like he was trying to make something like this happen back then in the 80s. That's and right. Everybody was so pissed and we made fun of it and everybody makes fun of it. But then you just like listen to this. You want a Rambo? You want a Rambo <laughs> to the break it down. The break I mean, down. It's, it's, you know, that song is how it is, but it's also... Uh, of uh, of a piece with this in a lot of ways. Um, That's absolutely right. I think you're totally on the money, and and uh, that shares a lot of DNA with with stuff that comes up on Red Sky too, which was also you know right. not very warmly received upon its release. Like as as ever, Bob is just fucking twenty years ahead of everyone else. Well, in and a way, by though, the time he... he gets here, we've caught up to him, and he's also Bob is also to his credit figured out a way to present this yes, kind of that's, feeling that's and what this I was music gonna say. in a more palatable kind of style. If he, he was twenty years ahead and also twenty years behind, right? <laughs> but the problem was that he was right in the present with his approach, or his he was letting the approach be to kind of just happen organically in the eighties, which I think that he learned it seems in the eighties and nineties was a time of Bob Dylan figuring out that he can't be so, uh, carefree in the way that he used to be, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to production, because in the sixties in the seventies, you could just produce, I think it was the, the standard for a record, the way that it would sound if you just went into like an average studio and it wasn't going to be like all this, equipment and gear and these sounds kind of overlaid and superimposed onto everything it was a bit more naturalistic for a long time i think into the 70s it it kept some of that just kind of boilerplate simplicity that suited him and made it so that he could just confidently stride into any studio and lay down tracks and it it was really a representative of where he was at more than it was where some producer wanted it to be and the 80s and 90s was a lot of tough lessons and you know time trial and error it seems creatively just for Bob Dylan to find out for himself like well really what 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 used to be standard just like isn't the standard anymore and that's how if if that's why it's even funnier that it's called modern times because this is right in the middle of you know this period of him fully figuring out like I know that I don't want it to sound too modern. I want it to sound contemporary. He want he wants it to sound contemporary. I don't want it to. You yeah, don't want he's it to like, sound I don't want it to sound too modern or contemporary. I want yes. it to sound like just standard. I don't. I just want it to be the standard sound. Right. Which it's it appearing at this moment in time sounds so anachronistic and you know uh, non non standard. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're uh, you're totally. Yeah, I mean, if you pull some of these, you want to ramble lyrics. And just plug them into rolling and tumbling. Well, the night is so empty, so quit and quiet and still. For only fifteen hundred dollars, you can have anybody killed. You yeah. want to ramble to the break of night, like that could that and could then just be a and verse. Tumbling. Let's hear yeah. one from Rolling and Tumbling. Uh, 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 
The night is filled with shadows. The years are filled with early doom. <laughs> the night is filled with shadows. The years are filled with early doom. I've been conjuring up all these long dead souls from their crumbling tombs. Maybe a little more vivid, but you know, it fits. Those those two rhyme more than they they don't. Um, but that's another great thing about rolling and tumbling and about this period is like it's it's a sort of just kind of rock and shuffly song, and you've got lines about like the the night filled with shadows and conjuring up dead souls from crumbling tombs like that's cool yeah it's great <laughs> but uh, it just if, if you're not like checked into like the fact that he's actually thinking about these types of images and it might sound kind of like milquetoast to you but like when he's imagining like the dead souls and crumbling tombs I think he's actually imagining those. That's right. That that is actually. I'm sure I will have said this by the time people are hearing this because there will have been a an episode on the book episode uh, that about is run, the book. Uh, but before this. But that is what is so remarkable and and something that I really find just like really extraordinary about the book is how fucking seriously he takes every one of these fucking songs that he writes about in that book. The way that he, you know, the, those especially oh, yeah, those second yeah. person addresses, you know, saying this is like, this is the song about the pedophile. You're walking down the street, you know, snapping your fingers, looking at young girls in their short skirts and stuff. It's just, uh, and he's writing about, you know, blue suede shoes. That's not, that isn't the exact what what's happening there. But, you know, the, that is yeah. an example of what's going on there. It's really a reminder and, and you know if you even if you i think some people just don't think about this but you should that like his imagination is fucking uh on fire yeah, when, it's ex- when, when he's making you want to ramble when he's making anything like this like <laughs> he's imagine, imagining stuff. his imagination he's, is on fire when he's making you want to ramble <laughs> when he's making wiggle wiggle he's thinking about that big fat stick you know but he's more so uh, really what i mean if we want to be serious <laughs> is that he's thinking about these songs on, in ways that might not seem so obvious but that he he thinks about what the songs are code for and about what the songs kind of might have Another, um, you know, whenever there is a, a euphemism or some kind of double meaning, he's right on top of that. He knows that there's a double meaning, triple meaning. He's stringing those along together because it's interesting in ways that he wants it to be. Uh, you can't underestimate the power of his uh, imagination when it comes to these lyrics. And That's right. Even if they seem silly. Yeah, you especially might hear, when they seem silly. Exactly. Yeah, you might hear him say, "I've been conjuring up all these long dead souls from their crumbling tombs over this fucking rootin' tootin', you know, uh, uh, rockabilly uh, cowpoke guitar line," and think, "Oh, you know, that's Bob. I was just having fun, you know, late late Bob, two thousand six Bob," and he is literally thinking about being a necromancer in a cemetery, bringing dead people back to life out of the ground to take over the world. Uh, the man is, yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's telling you the truth in these words. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> uh, uh, when the deal goes down. This was your favorite and now is not because. I mean, it's not, not my favorite. Okay. It's not, not my favorite. Uh, it's great. It's beautiful. It's uh, it's beautiful. Know, it's perfect. Incredible song. And it is, as we remarked on the first uh, episode we did about this. You know, it's very similar to uh, Bing Crosby uh, when the when the blue of the day or when the what's it called? Yeah, when the blue of the day meets the no, the when the gold of the, gold day, of the day meets, meets the, the blue, blue of the night. 
that doesn't sound right to that's me. That's the lyric. I don't know that that's Blue. the song that it's called. I don't think that's the title. Bing Crosby, win the gold of the day. Uh, yeah, where the blue of the night in parentheses meets the gold of the day is the song. Why must I live in dreams of the days I used to know? Why can't I find Real peace of mind And return to the long ago Where the blue of the night Meets the gold of the day Someone waits for me And the gold of her hair Crowns the blue of her eyes Like a halo tenderly You know, this song, um, it, that, that song that it's based on or really clearly inspired by is, is really pretty. And When the Deal Goes Down is an example of Dylan taking a song that, you know, is pretty and putting lyrics to it that... They're, yeah, they're more than just pretty. Yeah, and he uses that so- that sound of that song, um, which he knows is great, and he knows has more than one song in it. Like sometimes I think that's what he's. It's as simple as that. When he you know lifts a melody, it's like this is so good. It's got more than one song to to make out of it. Like you can. It's a shame to use this. <laughs> Only once, sure. Only one way, and if that's if you if you have a problem with that, like I don't know if you if music is for you, because <laughs> right. like how many original songs are there? Not that many. When it really comes down to it, like you know how many chord progressions? There's not. There's a finite number. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, you know Bob's penchant for uh, you know adapting music from the past is is well documented. Uh, <clears throat> modern times is sort of significant in that this is like really one where like a lot of people got on his case, um, whether because he himself, Bob was borrowing more clearly from more sources than he had, you know, in other uh, records or because, you know, more people are just getting pissy about this, you know, it could be some combination of the both, but you know, to use our Wikipedia subsection, uh, uh, test here. If you go to the if you go to the Modern Times uh, mm. page on Wikipedia, there, there is a whole subsection called Credit Controversy yeah. with multiple sub subsections: adaptations, <laughs> additional sources, Dylan's response to the credit controversy. Uh, so it's definitely something that uh, sort of struck a chord at this moment in time on this particular record. But I think uh, here again, uh, Modern Song the book uh, illustrates and illuminates sort of his his approach to this where. You know, he's he talks all about in the book on, on these songs, uh, you know, many of the songs that he writes about how this was a song that was written by these writers and recorded by this one writer and then recorded by still another writer. Like Blue Suede, Chui, bleh, Blue Sa- Suede Shoes, for instance, he talks about being a Carl Perkins song and he writes about that being, you know, that's that's the one that he focuses on. But he, he ends that chapter on a great line. He says, like, if 
if this were today, uh, Elvis would be the one with the Nike endorsement deal, not Carl Perkins. Um, and, and I think that is a great line and a great way to sort of sum up his own approach to all of this, where just because one person has their quote unquote, you know, credit on a song, you know, they, they wrote down the words first and registered it as a trademark or whatever, doesn't mean that music belongs to them, um, you know, in, in the greater, you know, kind of folk spiritual sense. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Well, uh, the, fo- the folk spiritual sense, you know, it comes to mind like, you know, like the Native Americans just like didn't have, uh, you know, when, when like the famous story of them, of Manhattan being like sold for $12 or 24 or whatever it was. Yeah, a pack of beads or whatever. It was like, it was a, it was like 24 bucks or something like that. I think it's like, beads in the deal too. I don't know about beads. Captain Arab, he started writing up some deeds. He said, let's set up a fort and start buying a place with beads. But uh, it's, it was, you know, something that made no sense to them because it, it was absurd. It didn't factor that you could buy, purchase land. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. When, you, when it comes to folk songwriting and the ideals and the, the the methodology the way of thinking that that it comes from it's not about uh intellectual property it, these chords and the progressions don't belong to anyone it is about what you can bring to it what you as a person as an individual can bring to this raw yeah. material I, yeah. I think that a lot of people uh you know sort of think that they've caught bob you know, red-handed in these instances. Like, hey, I know where that line is from, or I know where that melody's from. You know, that's you know, you're you're doing whatever copyright infringement or you know, uh, stealing from another artist. And I I think Bob like doesn't like he would he would readily acknowledge uh, you know this yes that's that is exactly where I got it from. You know, there's that line or that interview where he gave where he's like you know, I will write my songs by driving around and listening to someone else's song. And hearing yeah. the melody, and well, then just coming up, and at a certain point, I have my own lyrics I have to go to along with that in, melody. Yeah, my own song. Yeah, <laughs> that's I think where he was my talking song specifically uh, tumbling tumbleweeds. Like, <laughs> someone will be talking to me, and I won't be listening to them. I'll just, I'll just be listening to tumbling tumbleweeds in my head until there's new lyrics, <laughs> and then I'll be like, I have to go. There you go. Song. Um, and, uh, and I think that honestly, you know, is, is, is the healthy we way have to the, stop the that, righteous. Ian. We have to stop this. Uh-huh. That's not okay. That's right. Uh, it's the righteous and the healthy way to approach, uh, music like this. And, um, you know, is, is completely incompatible with the literal, you know, the actual modern kind of approach to things like this that most people in this industry take, um, you know, take part in or, or the way that they adopt their thinking to be. Uh, and once again, serves as another kind of clever, a rejoinder to titling this record Modern Times. The way that he's recording this music is just, or the way that he, the, the music, the, the way this music even has its genesis is a pre-modern kind of thing. Um, I'm going to sort of scoot us along here because yeah, we've please. already been going we've quite just, a while. We, <laughs> we've we only can, covered uh, four songs. Of... I think what we can do is sort of like, so I think as we talked about in our initial episodes about this, this record is kind of an up and down album in that like every other song is really kind of significant. And in between you've got a song that's kind of just like a, you know, we're snapping our fingers. We're having a good time with. 
Someday, baby, beyond the horizon, the levee's gonna break. Songs five, seven, nine are those songs. I think that are just a little. I bit like, like some, someday, baby. A lot. I like them too. I think they're great songs. I don't know that they merit a ton of deep discussion from us two idiots on well, this program. Maybe not, but I, they're they're great fun. I also do. I want to say that when the deal goes down, is you know, like not. I went on a whole polemic during that, but when the deal goes down, is one of the most you know, clear eyed and, and, um, like, uh, saying sweet or beautiful actually feels kind of like it, it gross to talk about because it's just, it's just a clear message. It's just a clear feeling, an idea that is as it's up there with, I made up my mind to give myself to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a clear kind of forerunner to to that song. So much heavier and and sort of um, uh, a more loaded and and, uh, nuanced, three-dimensional, textured kind of uh, song than like the Bing Crosby song. To say nothing against the Bing Crosby song, but like like you were saying, there's just, there's so much more here that he can pull out. Uh, Someday Baby is a good song. Someday, baby. Yeah, it it was in the Apple commercial. That's right. Yeah, he's hanging the, out. the, iPod, the iPod commercial. commercial. Yeah, icon. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, um, but I think we can move move along to uh, the second half of this record and really the three kind of major touch points. Okay, this one's gonna upset you, I guess. What I don't. You still don't. I, I remember you did like Blues Working is, Man's is, Blues is the most initially. The, it's you still tedious. don't like it. I don't really like this song. Ugh. There's an evening haze settling over town, starlight by the edge of the creek. The buying power of the proletariat's gone down, money's getting shallow and weak. Well, the place I love best is a sweet memory. It's a new path that we trod. Besides the boots and shoes part, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's not bad, but like, I just don't think it's great. Because. It, it doesn't. You don't like the lyrics. You don't like the sound. You don't yeah, like. Yeah, the, the word. I don't really love the like the the shit about the like buying power of the proletariat and like the single these working man's blues. Like it's kind of not clear enough on that to be like a song that feels like it paints a picture of like actual working uh, people and their plight. And then it also doesn't really like. I prefer the boots and shoes type stuff, you know, then he just like throws this like <laughs> more of a boots of, and shoes type of guy. <laughs> I'm more of a boots and shoes type fella. And, uh, you know, this song, I think it just like with certain lyrics kind of like brings up this like political thing that it doesn't really ex- go any further into. So I'm just kind of like, all right. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you're wrong about that. I, I, I think of this song as a, uh, a sequel to union sundown. <laughs> which obviously is, is sort of well established as Bob's sort of confused, like, you know, uh, did we need uh, a sequel to in sundown? I think it's, I think it's really fascinating that he comes back to this at this moment in time. Cause it's not a note that he's really hit at all since right. then, perhaps because a song like union sundown and obviously neighborhood bully and the other kind of pseudo political songs on infidels were so poorly received at the time. It seems like he was kind of, scared off from even engaging uh, in that arena the way that he had, obviously, in the first uh, you know couple decades of his career. 
Um, and so to, to, to come back and strike this note this late, just and really a kind of a, a out-of-the-blue kind of time, because you think about you know 2006, it's not a particularly kind of like um, crisis-laden moment. Um, uh, at least it, it didn't feel that way at the moment in time. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't know, I, I find there's, there's something kind of touching about this song to me, just that Bob felt so compelled to revisit this kind of world uh, and, and spirit and mode. <laughs> As maybe mm, unsuccessful or unclearly as he ends up being on this lyric. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's just it's, it's just it's, kind of funny to me. It's cool. I like it, and it, you know, it, you also got to remember this is this is still you Bob know, Dylan. This is still the times that, they are changing. Fucking like, blown in the wind, Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like cross the cross the Green Mountain core. It's just like <laughs> that period where he was making these fucking like. Ken Burns ass song <laughs> for like a second, you know. Uh, Remember Cross the Green Mountain? I'll, how could I forget Cross the Green Mountain? <laughs> well, you could. You know, uh, and, it's a, an iconic when, when music When we talked video. about that, we were just like, I bet someday we're gonna love this, but then we both just put it on the shelf. Uh, I mean, I think that's because we spent like f- literally five hours cumulatively doing Telltale Signs stuff. Yeah, just at, around that time. <laughs> but I just put this one right next to Across the Green Mountain, which is like, like, okay. I think it's a beautiful song. Uh, I think it's a it's a really touching song. Completely uh, out of uh, out of the ordinary for Latter Day Bob. I, I I can't think of a single other song in the last, you know, since Love and Theft, really, that has anything in common with this music. <laughs> you know what um, this is like, though? It's what is like, this like? <laughs> It's like something that could be on on one of the last Van Morrison records. No, no. There's so much more here than Van than Van. Well, the bomb power of the proletariat's gone down. That that line the alone. Boots, bring me my boots and shoes. That line alone is, is more lyricism than Latter-day Van can pack into an entire record. Money's going <laughs> growing tired and weak. That's right. Money's getting shallow and weak. That's Shall- that's oh, you know Joe on. Brandon's America right there. Yeah, that's the same shit. Yeah. If you don't um, like Van Morrison doing it, then you can't say that you like Bob Dylan doing this it. This is the same shit. Listen, if you think that this is the same as what Van is getting up to on uh, on uh, Dangerous, for instance, <laughs> you you got to sit down and fighting give those back couple is songs the new normal. Give, give him some more listen. Yeah, fighting back is the new normal. Exactly. All right, whatever. I want to talk about Working Man's Blues again. I, it's a beautiful song. It sounds beautiful. Okay. It's a beautiful note the, that Bob strikes here. I, I, get, I, could lo- give her, I could lose it. Wow. I, I love it. It's fine. Um, but like, and honestly, Beyond the Horizon, you could also take off the record if you were really hard-pressed. Well, Beyond but, the Horizon, uh, I think this is Bob in fucking uh, Tradewinds mode. Yeah, this it is, is on that playlist. Mode. This is on the, the, the Polynesian playlist that we're forever putting it's together. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think that maybe it seems redundant because Spirit on the Water happened before for like eight minutes. But Beyond the Horizon, you're right. I I, I like it much more than Working Man's Blues. I'll That's tell you fair. That. You're you're a boots and shoes type of guy, as you said. I lo- I mean I like boots and shoes. I yeah. like that stuff. This one and again, I like that Beyond the Horizon is full of boots and shoes type stuff. Yeah, this one again, stolen, stole or you know, appropriated, borrowed from a pre existing song, Red Sails in the Sunset, a popular oh. song published in nineteen thirty five, which there is actually a Bing Crosby uh. version of. Red sails in the sunset. Way out on the 
Sunset. Yeah, also recorded That's exactly by Nat, what it sounds like. Nat King Cole. So, you know, Bob is uh is is clearly, you know, uh he's he's not I don't think he's trying to hide it. You know, it's 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 by by this moment in time, it's it, anyone who's recording a, a popular music song that has the exact kind of uh, melody or or lyrical progression of another song, you're gonna be found out. So like you, again, no one he Bob's not trying to pull a fast one on anyone here. If anything, I think he's crediting these songs just like he did with False Prophet on Rough and Rowdy and has done, you know, numerous other times and directing attention back at, back towards a pre-existing song that has been kind of lost in the haze, lost in the lost in the shuffle in the decades ever since. Uh, a project Somewhere that might be beyond the sea. Well, that's what I was going to say. waiting for me. One of those songs that he's written about in in uh, uh, philosophy of modern song. My uh, lover is beyond the sea. On golden sands and, and watches book, the ships that go sailing. There you go. That book, philosophy of modern song, might be the apotheosis of that entire project for Bob to to uh, uh, redirect uh, attention back at you know these forgotten. Uh, a totems of his youth that he's so familiar with, but that have been sort of, uh, you know, uh, lost, lost to time. Beyond the Sea, not so much. That has a little bit more cultural relevance, but a lot of the music yeah. in that book is stuff that just, like, you know, I would have never listened to myself, and yeah, here I am sense. spinning a fucking Spotify playlist. Every, you know, I listen to every song before I read about it. It's great. Sometimes um, stealing a song is like oh, when you know that you have an audience. It's actually the best thing you can possibly do for that song. He's you robbing know, you him. are you are dragging it into the present, and you are. It's actually like a perfectly executed plan because you'll have all these fucking shrill people <laughs> drawing attention to the song, when otherwise it would have just been completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so. You know, keep by all means, keep keep uh, keep sucking. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for your service. Keep sucking. <laughs> Bob's gonna come. Sorry, I'm sorry. That's 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 on the cutting room floor. Um, many more. Lost John sitting on a railroad track. Something's on the way. Blues this morning, hauling down like hail. Leave a greasy trail On a travel the world Is what I'm gonna do Then come back and see you All I ever do Is struggle and strive If I don't do anybody any harm I might make it back home alive this was like our. We were like so stoked on this one. I still am so stoked on this one. Are you gonna say that you're not? 
No, I'm not going to say that I'm not. But I will say um, it's just struck me more this time what a weird song this is. It's so weird. The song is enormous. You know, it's kind of up there with like long and wasted years in terms of these these Dylan songs where I'm like, does anybody like where is there a song like this otherwise? <laughs> where else? Like who? There are times when it's like you know, so many times on this record, it's like, oh, this is actually basically this other song. Then there's sometimes it's like Nettie Moore and and Long and Wasted Years who are just like he just kind of invented some kind of song. Yeah, here. there's no yeah, there's this could not ever have come out of anyone <laughs> else ever. It's under like any medieval, like a medieval poet with a lute or something. It's it, really weird. It is that, and it's also this just like you know ghost of the fucking American past in the Mississippi Delta and like Appalachian blues and stuff. Like he's he's inhabiting like every fuck like every every uh, influence and every source that he refers to on like the covers record, the, the folk records. Um, you know, good as I've been and, and world gone wrong. Like that has all been melted down into just like a boiling hot stew. And, and liquefied and presented in this just like completely concentrated, sudden burst moment of inspiration as Nettie Moore. Um, yeah, it's a terrific song. And it, you're so right. I mean, I'm in a cowboy band. He's kind of saying all these things he, he is. It's, you know, later he'll write a song about that. Hmm. All the things I am, um, you know, I contain multitudes. Sure. If, if, I, if I Contain Multitudes is a song that's just acknowledging something that's kind of been long understood or needs to be acknowledged, this is like what he's talking about. You know, this this, this is one of those songs where it feels like he's actually accessing all the dead souls that he's uh, freed from these crumbling crypts or whatever. He's, the tombs, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the tombs. He's When he said that, he's not kidding. You know, he is actually being all these different types of people, all these people who are dead. And this kind of why so many of these lyrics are disjointed, I think, is that he's every five seconds transforming into another person. Um, and Nettie Moore feels like some kind of acknowledgement of that in a way that feels kind of mysterious. But I think we both are... It's hard to ignore that there's something about this song that feels... Um, more than others, somehow, like it's r- directly addressing something of that. Yes. It, it, and I don't even, it's hard to say why, but it's like the chorus just feels like so archetypal that it, um, it kind of makes the whole rest of the song feel like like a spell or some kind of incantation. Yeah, there, there is definitely a sort of, um, you know, uh, Zen like uh, uh, trance like state that you can fall into in this song, uh, just especially the way the piano sounds and the the fucking uh, percussion kit behind it, it is just it's arresting. It's it's like so as soon as this song comes on, the first two three seconds, I'm just locked in every time. Mm-hmm. Greel had a line I think when we talked to him about ain't talking where he said, and it might even be in the book where he said like you know the first time I heard this song. I knew I was just going to be I was going to be listening to this song forever for the rest of my life and yeah. I was never going to get to the bottom of it. And I and I there's a song on this record that I feel that way about. It's this song. It's not anymore. Uh which is less personal, I think than than ain't talking. Um 
uh, you know, equally personal in some ways, but I, I think in general is more concerned with the outside world and less so with the inside world, the way that Ain't Talking is, uh, which we'll get to. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, every time I listen to it, um, it, it, it this reveals is. another kind of shade or dimension to me. Sometimes I listen to it and it's it's a mournful kind of ballad. Other times I put it on and it's a really kind of like the uh, uplifting, uh, you know, kind of triumphant kind of song. Still other times it's uh, more kind of spiritual and in the, you know, save shot of love, every grain of sand kind of mode. It's... Um, it's like a diamond. You look at it in the sun and there's just, uh, you know, all these brilliant different colors reflecting all across the wall in all of these different directions. Um, and it's all it's all in there. It's um, it's it's a song that's really difficult to parse, I think. Don't parse it. You know, of, just just marvel at it. Just uh, look at it. You know, you can just uh, kind of. Yeah, you can just kind of gawk at and and let it uh, dance in front of you. It's not really a song that. It's a song that kind of, if more than most, kind of eludes you at every turn. So, like, it'll teach you how to listen to the other ones here, I think. This song kind of teaches you how to listen to Late Period Bob Dylan. Because this is not a normal song. Like, you listen to this song enough, you'll kind of go back to any of these other ones and start to be like, well, I know I have like a foothold here. I know like what this feels more substantial, but the ethereal quality of this song kind of shows you that that's really what at, what's at the heart of 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 the songs on Love and Theft and and the songs on Rough and Rowdy Ways, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Or Tempest. Yeah, this is the this is the hard stuff. I think if you can if you can put this on and like this is the one song like you connect with this and 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 it and it makes some sort of fucking synaptical synaptical. Connection in your brain, Synecdoche, <laughs> New York. Uh, connection in your brain. Um, you're you're set. You found your guy. You found your time period. You found your records. Like this is this is the ultimate kind of distillation of all of that stuff. You found your records. That's right, man. And it it and it's just the, Let's the just lyrics on their talk own. Talk about it anymore. Are so are so. Let's. Fucking, uh, do you see what I just, the, I've done? Let's not talk about it. Anymore. I see what you're talking. I see what you're saying. I just. I'm the oldest son of a crazy man. I'm in a cowboy, cowboy band. band. The, the lines just individually are so unremarkable and so easily understood, but the, the way they're arranged crazy and fucking... Uh, and, I'm in a cowboy band. It's it's brilliant. He's he's spinning something out of nothing. This song is a magic trick to me. Um, the Levy's Gonna Break is about Hurricane Katrina. Uh, oh, predict, oh, right. Predict Wait, the future. I forgot that um, um, there's a Levy's Gonna Break in between. Nanny it's Moore fine. And it's and... it's just it's just Bob uh, understanding you know the spiritual uh, uh, moment that the country was in before it even occurred. Levy's uh, Gonna Break. I'm predicting um, it. It keeps on raining. The Levy's Gonna Break. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Uh, ain't ain't talking. talking. Okay. Yeah. Ain't talking. Talk about magic. Black longest, magic. Magic longest song on the record. Almost nine minutes. I mean, Grail was right to write about it, uh, uh, a whole chapter on it, because Ain't Talking is is um, an all-timer great, greatest Bob Dylan song uh, of the late period, for sure. But even just in general, like, really. Like, when you think about... Sometimes I'll just think about, like, Dylan in the 70s. I'll think about something like desire and then you really just kind of play that through in your head and you you know we all like desire and we like 
songs from that period, even like Street Legal. We all like that. We all love it. But then you, if you listen to something like Ape Talk, and it's just like with that in your head first, it's really clear like how much deeper he's gone since then, how much more command he has over what he's doing. And it feels like, you know, you, you really start to, we don't say it that often, but you just understand that you're in the hands of a, a master of what he's doing. Yeah. Bob Dylan, master songwriter, master performer. This is a song Wait, that I don't know if we've ever said that, that <laughs> he's a master of his craft. But master it, of his craft, Bob Dylan. But he, he is, and or, this song is, 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 you know, a it's you can't do this unless you're some kind of master of what you're doing. This one, to be honest, has taken <clears throat> taken me a little bit of time to uh, to come to. I, it was one that I really? initially, on Modern Times, you know, r- recognized as I a really significant you. kind of song. Yeah. Um, you know, the length of it, the where it's placed on the album, just kind of the overall mood. But I just I couldn't I couldn't grab it. I couldn't you know it was like sand running between my fingers. Uh, but coming back to it this time, and honestly, maybe it, ha- it had to do with reading you know Griel's whole fucking treatise on it. Uh, it's it it really is. You know, uh, I think this song feels like an expansion and a sequel and a, and a further exploration of things have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, things have changed is like my favorite, like one of my very favorite Bob Dylan songs. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like this song is just like taking that and going deeper and deeper into it because if things have changed was longer, like where would it go? And I feel like this song just answers that question. Um, this is, yeah, this is things have changed with all of the kind of like, uh, like, you know, uh, wink at the camera, kind of snide humor, snappy bullshit, kind of drained out of it, and like, just, just like it's just painted in like stark black and white, and and like deathly dramatically serious. Well, it's it's great because things have changed. Came, of course, at the the right time for it to. It came when it was natural for it to come. It, it was uh, around the time of Love and Theft, you know, two thousand two thousand one, hmm. and. And talking, if we want to think of modern times, you know, which the rec- the title feels more and more significant as we keep talking about it. But, um, you know, him sort of after the big, the grand reopening, the 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 parade has passed by, and he's back at it and in full regalia and stronger than ever. This is a while after he's reckoned with things having changed and announced that to the world. This mm-hmm. is. This is after, you know, all the confetti is dropped and what happens after you notice that things have changed? I used to care, but things have changed. I used to care. And I think this song struggles with the idea of having used to care and really goes into the feeling of, you know, I'm still alive. Maybe I don't care so much, but I'm still alive. I'm just going to bear it and continue and move on through this kind of difficult and this, this arid and and painful world that's like drained of energy and life. And the great thing about it is that the very end of this song, it, it, it kind of implies with that, 
uptick at the very 11th hour into a, a sort of pleasant major uh, ascension, you know, it it's like I, maybe I do still care a little bit. Well, he says it himself, heart burning, still yearning. You know, still yearning. Yeah. I think I used is... to care. I used to care. Maybe I don't care, but I yearn. I think it's the most personal song on the record. Uh, and, yeah. and maybe not. And that was not an opinion that I held, you know, initially a couple of years ago when we talked about it. Um, but looking at it kind of as as one enormous kind of canvas, right? Like this is just a fucking this is a whole wall if it's a painting. Um and thinking about where he was at and where he would go after this song, I think, um, is is really this is kind of the whole skeleton key to to the last twenty years of his career, I think. He's he's not talking, yeah. he's just walking up around the road, up the road around the bend. You know, not the the singing, you know, the music is not that's not the talking. He's just walking and it's just it's coming out of him. And it that's just how it happens. Heart burning, still yearning in the last outback at the world's end. Like there's it has to happen. There's no it's gonna keep coming. Yeah, he's he's not talking, but he is singing through the whole thing. Um Right, but the he's, singing itself is not talking. That is the walking. right. That's what I'm saying. You know, the right. He's just doing the thing that is natural. He is. He's just walking. He's moving forward. Exactly. And that's all he can do. Maybe he doesn't care in the way that he used to. Maybe things don't feel the way they used to. But he's reckoned and accepted for himself that he needs this. That this is all there is. That this is what he has to give. And he's not going to stop to make pleasantries. He's just committed to continuing on. And with that, there's, you know, this sort of bitter humor, this feeling of res resignation. But ultimately, as resigned and, and bitter as that might sound, you don't do that unless there's some kind of little flicker of hope and and purpose and, and you know, and love in you. Modern Times. Great record. Still three stars. I think you yeah, gave it three still, stars. Yeah, three, I, I hope three I gave it three stars, stars before. Same. I still I do give it three stars now if I didn't. A yeah, record I, that I, uh, I, I'm very grateful to exist uh, and to always be able to come back to. I think it's one that uh, is always exciting to listen to. Like, you know, I can't tell you the last time I put on Nashville Skyline or fucking, yeah. uh, you know, freewheeling or something. But like, this is one that like, I, if I got an hour and I want to just like, you know, kind of have a good time listening to Bob Dylan music, mm, can't go wrong, modern times. Jokerman. I'm the oldest son of a crazy man. I'm in a cowboy band. Got a pile of sins to pay for and I ain't got time to hide. I'd walk through a blazing fire, baby, if I knew you was on the other side. Oh, I miss you very much And my happiness is over Wind is gone The river's all around I loved you then And never shall But there's no one left in town The world has gone black Before my eyes 
While the world of research has gone berserk Too much paperwork Albert in the graveyard, Frank is raising hell